Danny Danko come to show you how it goes. You're now tuned in to Free Weed from Danny Danko on High Times Radio, presented by High Times Magazine. Boom, bang! All right, welcome to episode number 95. 95 episodes, Mike. 95 episodes. That's right. Yeah. And this is episode 95. This is. Yes. Thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong on the strong, strong tune, <laughs> Free Weed from Danny Danko, and of course, Mike. So, yeah. Yeah. Another... I think uh, Dan and I had extra helpings of freedom yesterday, and we're like, we're a little hungover on the freedom, so <laughs> we're going to take it a little easy today. Actually, before we even talk about the show, we should probably just say happy birthday to Danko. Yesterday oh, was his birthday. That's right. He was born on the 4th of July. I was, and uh, had a nice nice day. Yeah, and if you want to wish him a, a belated birthday, go ahead and get at him on Twitter, at Danny Danko. Uh, you can do that. But Okay, so why don't we tell the folks... Actually, before we even do that, where do you? You're about to head off somewhere, right? That's right. You're leaving us. Amsterdam next week is uh, is the Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam, which is the site of the original Cannabis Cup uh, 30 years ago, in 1988. So we're going to be there uh, in July for once, which uh, should be interesting. You and I were there in uh, May, I think. A couple yeah, it was of years really ago, nice in I, May. Yeah, it was a beautiful time to be there. It wasn't I'm curious rain. what it'll be like in July. Like, does it get very hot there? I, I don't. I'm not sure if it gets hot, but I know that the day the days are long. Mm. It doesn't it does the sun doesn't set until 10 p.m. or so, which should be interesting. I, I've gotten to see that once before in St. Petersburg, and yeah, so well, let us uh, know. And I'm sure the weather has got to be better than it is in November. So I'm excited to see see that town, and so people can follow uh, follow me on. Uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. I'll be uh, live blogging. <laughs> I don't know. Well, tweeting. I guess also if, if maybe Insta- they want to go, Insta- they could check out CannabisCup.com. That's and right. Tickets are still available. Tickets I think. are available. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's Amsterdam, July 12th through the 15th. Uh, we will be out there and that should be a lot of fun. And so, yeah, I'll be reporting from there. Um, but in the meantime, we have this episode, episode number 95. And this is interesting. This is an all-female panel of growers uh, and hash makers that I uh, hosted at the Cannabis Cup in Michigan this past, uh, was that June? Oof. Was yeah, it? that was June. It was, <laughs> it was June 8th. Was, yeah. yeah, this past June. So we did the uh, Cannabis Cup in Michigan. Always a great time at the Auto City Speedway. And, uh, you know, I decided uh, it'd be interesting to get a, a female perspective on uh, cannabis cultivation. And so... Uh, put together a panel uh, of uh, women growers and hash makers. And this panel uh, features Nicole West uh, from Cowa Science, uh, C-O-W-A Science, um, Cannabis Cup winner Jessica Speck, who is also known as Mrs. Barry Cush, uh, Ashbo Hash, a uh, hash maker from Captain Cush Concentrates, uh, and Elaine Keevan of Excelsior Extracts. Um, actually pretty high on her uh, medically infused honey right now. Oh, very nice. Which I absolutely love as a product. Mix it with the tea, the green tea. That's what's in that little container shaped (laughs) like a bear that you keep sucking on. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's right. I put that in my tea and uh, it's nice and and, and potent and, and delicious and and very very good so yeah but this this panel is a it's really good a lot of great grow information in there an all-female panel so that's really cool and uh that's gonna be the show really 
We're not going to do a cultivation uh, segment. We're not going to do questions this week because we have about an hour of this uh, seminar. But Mm -hmm. if you do have a question that you'd like us to answer, we're going to be doing the show in the future. So keep hitting us up Uh, on Twitter. He's at Danny Denko. I'm at Mike G underscore HT. And, of course, you can get us uh, by email, freeweed at hightimes.com. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. After the break, we'll be back uh, with episode 95, the live taping of Freeweed with uh, the female panel, Ash Bohash, Nicole West, uh, Elaine Keevan, and Jessica Speck. Stay tuned. Hey, you guys. I definitely want to mention our awesome sponsor, BC Northern Lights. These guys have been creating grow boxes for over a decade in uh, the Vancouver, Canada area. Their phone number is 888-236-1266. You can call them seven days a week. Uh, You can check them out at bcnorthernlights.com. They make uh, a bunch of different grow boxes that does all everything for you. The fans, the air filtration, the lighting, the feeding, you know, the, the hydroponics and lockable with a key. Uh, these units are all in one wonderful touchscreen technology. They even have units for drying and, uh, you know, all kinds of different sizes. Uh, they're a sponsor of the show. They have a special deal. Uh, if you use the promo code DENKO-CAN, C-A-N, uh, they will give you free nutrients for six months and all kinds of deals that you can negotiate with them when you check them out and call for a quote on one of these boxes. You're going to grow cannabis for pennies on the dollar once you get the thing going. So check them out, bcnorthernlights.com, 888-236-1266. And thank you to them for their support of the Freeweed Podcast. All right. Hi, everybody. And um, welcome to day one of the 2018 High Times Michigan Cannabis Cup. We're thrilled to be back here at Auto City Speedway in Clio. And uh, this is a live recording of Free Weed, the Free Weed podcast, which is back on Thursdays. And we have a really exciting panel for you. Uh, We have a group of women growers and hash makers who are going to share their cultivation and hash making knowledge with you. And um, if you have a question, keep it in mind. At the end of the uh, panel, we'll try to take some questions from the audience and have the uh, the panel answer them. So um, we only have about 45 minutes, so we're going to get right to it. Let me introduce to you uh, High Times Senior Cultivation Editor. Let's have a big hand for Danny Danko. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And welcome. Uh, Always a pleasure to be here in Michigan. And I'm going to get right into it. Uh, very excited to have uh, a, a female panel today of growers and hash makers. Uh, always interested in this perspect- in their perspective on the subject. So I'm going to introduce. Starting to my left is uh, Elaine from uh, Excelsior Extracts in Rhode Island. Uh, Elaine, can you uh, introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your your grow experience? I've been a grower for um, almost two decades. I've grown in every type of medium that there is. Um, I, do, I do edibles and tinctures. Um, I, we, we do solventless tinctures. We don't, I don't use butane. I don't want to take something natural and refine it. Um, yeah, I've, 
grown small places and large places, and I love growing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Elaine. And uh, we'll get into some growing techniques uh, in a little bit. Uh, but to Elaine's left is Nicole West from Colorado. Nicole, can you please uh, um, introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you do in the cannabis world? Yes. Hello. Yes. Um, I'm currently uh, partners in a company called Coa Science, and we own a supply chain business. Basically, we focus on streamlining the cultivation in a big way as far as all of your efficiencies are concerned, everything from energy to toilet paper. And I know that seems silly, but um, a lot of things aren't being considered when we're building cultivations right now as far as costs are concerned. Um, I've scaled a lot of facilities. I've been in the industry a little over 10 years now. Um, but my main focus right now is figuring out how to streamline, build proper cost models for cultivations. And you're talking about like really large facilities. I mean, large to small. Yeah. I mean, even mom and pop need help making sure that things are streamlined. And if you had one place to order everything from and you could save time from your, you know, your employees having to run around to Home Depot. If, P.S. If your employees are running to Home Depot, like on a regular basis, we have an issue. Like this is a, this is a problem. You can't scale that. You can't scale runs to Home Depot. So I'm sorry, Home Depot. I know you guys are delivering. Please don't sue me. Um, <laughs> but you can't scale that, you know. And so, if you are small and you plan to go big, that's the only way that you're going to ever be able to do it is if you find a good efficiency and a way to streamline your, your scaling. And if you don't have a streamline at a small scale, there's no way that you're going to be able to have a streamline at a big scale. All right. Thank you, Nicole. Uh, to Nicole's left is Ash Bohash, a concentrate maker. So, Ashley, tell, uh, tell people a little bit about what you do. Okay. Um, I am a soil to oil. I also grow all of my own. Uh, we grow it. We process it. And I also make edibles, um, any kind of edible you could imagine. My favorite thing would be Girl Scout cookies, because who doesn't love Girl Scout cookies? Um, concentrates to me is a big thing in this industry because the force, the potency, I feel is a better medicine for some. Some people may not need that amount, but for somebody speaking like myself, I am a patient myself here in Michigan, and I need that strong medicine. I have fibromyalgia. I'm young, but I have a lot of issues, and I chalk that up to from being younger. So I've been doing this for 10 years, and it's the biggest passion that I've ever had. I want nothing more for it to be legal, but in a, in a different manner than some places are going about it. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Ash. And to Ash's left is Jessica Speck, Mrs. Barry Cush, uh, who's actually Hello. won, won uh, cups as well. So uh, talk a little bit about what you do. Uh, you're also local to Michigan as well. Uh, talk a little bit about what you do, Jess. Um, in 2009, I opened a dispensary called the Cano Lounge and was shut down by the state after three months of being open in hopes of licensing to go, go on. Here we are, you know, 10 years later, we're still fighting the city for a license. Between that time, I opened up an all-woman's caregiver group. Um, we basically do everything. I'm very loyal to my soil and worm farms, so they're my utmost priority when it comes to cannabis. I go out and hunt down the best terp profiles that I can when it comes to cannabis. Being a lupus survivor, having a good quality strain, that's 
what I'm all about. And if I can find them to give to my patients and then share with my friends and family, that's really where I'm at. And then from there, we also started um, an edible company, which is all consist of women that go out and they're our sales reps. They're amazing. Without them, I don't know what we would do. They are amazing for our company. I always tell everybody, you know, like, why don't you hire the guys? Well, because the women don't get caught up in getting the bud tender's phone number. They're great at their job. So they do the best. So without them, I wouldn't be able to run my company. And so they're, they're going around and, and uh, distributing your product to different dispensaries. Yeah, so we started out as having entry-level sales reps and training them all the way to office management. My mom actually does financial work, so anything that goes through our back office cost-wise, my mom's like all over us and all over the girls to save money. Like, it is crazy. <laughs> it's interesting that you mention uh, good genetics. I think you really have to start with great genetics. And I think uh, we'll start with Elaine because you have an interesting nickname about this as well. And uh, what, what is it that you look for in uh, like a pack of seeds or anything like that to find the strain that you want to hold on to and keep as a mom? Well, I'm a strain whore, like I've told you. I've never met a strain I wouldn't do. And um, so what I look for when I pop seeds, the first thing is I want stability. Um, nowadays, because I've been growing for a long time, and nowadays a lot of strains are trendy. And I get caught up in that too, but I think people have forgotten all these strains that they push out I'm not a breeder, but I know breeders, and it takes years, years to get a strain so that it's stable. As a grower, when I get a, when I get, if, if I get Hermes, I don't want to grow that plant anymore. That, that can ruin things. Um, when I'm pheno hunting, I want to find something, I, I mean, I want something really potent, I want something really good. I've got RSD, so I'm in pain. I use it for pain, and I, I smoke. I like to smoke flour. I just, I like it. It works for me. Um, and I want something, obviously, that's got bag appeal, because who doesn't? But it's got to be hardy, and it's got to be, because I train and I defoliate. I mean, I beat my plants up. Like, they are, I am a dominatrix when it comes to my plants. I tie them down, I defoliate them, I take every leaf that I can off. I, I mean, the plant doesn't need it. I'm feeding it, so they don't need to store it. So um, I look for plants that, you know, won't stress out when they're defoliated, because some plants will. Um, I look for yielders, obviously, but that's not always the most important because you've got to think about trimming. You've got to think about trimming and then how much nutrients do they take because that's another big thing. Cost of production nowadays, any grower that's not thinking about it is foolish. I'm talking right down to your nutrients, fiskers, everything. And um, you've got to find something that's not like a hog with the nutrients because some plants are. And they're not necessarily the best plants. So, I mean, it's really full spectrum with the plant. You got to go from seed, does it pop easily? You got to go, when I, you know, I'll take a plant 28 days into flower and I'll take cuts off of that to see how quickly it'll reveg, to see how stressed it'll get. Because the plant that doesn't stress and the plant that reveges quickly and throws multiple tops, I want that. That's the one I want. I want vigor and I want stability. Those are the most important things to me. And, you know, and then beyond that, you find all the good stuff. You know, it's like the magic happens with the vigor and stability. And then beyond that, like, you can do whatever you want from there. So that's what I look for. I completely agree. <laughs> all right. And, Nicole, um, from that compliance uh, perspective, what are the big mistakes that you see uh, growers making, uh, you know, whether they be the mom and pops or the larger scale 
uh, producers? I think one of the biggest issues that exists in uh, compliant cultivation is the idea that one day weed just shows up, um, right? So like today there's not legal weed, okay? In, in Michigan, let's say for instance, okay? We're gonna use Michigan as our example. In Michigan today, nobody has a plant that technically is a legal plant. We have a, a caregiver plant, we have you know, your, your personal plant, but you don't have a licensed cultivation plant, right? One day, you're going to get a license, and then that day, all of a sudden, weed just shows up in your facility, right? Like, because where, where does it come from? Where does this, so the logistical side of, like, how are we going to make the cannabis be the right strains that we get into the legal system early on, because at a certain point, the system closes and now what's there is there. And, and if you're going to do anything else, you're running a really big risk, right? So the state kind of turns a blind eye to you because the weed just shows up. Like, they know that, right? Like the state doesn't give you seeds. The state doesn't give you plants. Like they just are there. And so in that reality, the, the point where the state says, okay, this is what's here. This is what you have to work with. I think that's one of the bigger concerns when, you know, I, I've, I pheno hunt from a, a number standpoint. I've never, I have cultivators that are managing all of our, our seed popping and all of our clone operations. So we, you know, everything I've always run from, from grow all the way to the store. So I, I run every number. I run, I run, you know, how long it took us, our trimmers to trim this shit. Like, this is a legitimate question. Like, time of, of trimming. And then the next question question is, you know, packaging wise, how good does this stay? So like, how much of this did I have to discount at a certain point? Because it could have came out of your place beautiful. And like you, the growers could have done an amazing job. But at, at a certain point, when it gets to my store, and now it's sitting here, how much of this do I have to sell as shake because the, the distribution once it starts to break down? And so like in that process, I found that the strain hunting is, is just numbers for me, which isn't fair, because I know that there's so much more to, to cannabis, and, and if we would have just gone numbers, we would have bred CBD out of existence. You guys know that, right? Like, had, had testing not become a thing when it did, and us, like, actually doing real research, like, we would have pretty much bred CBD out of cannabis as a whole, and had to, like, figure out a way to get it to come back. Because that, nobody was smoking CBD weed. Because it didn't get you high. So you didn't realize that it had something in it that was awesome. And so we, we, fucking, we threw all the CBD away. And so if we just look at the numbers, like I do, you know, it's gonna go heartless. And so there has to be a balance uh, of both, but like from a regulatory standpoint, the biggest concern I see is when you get the, the strains in, that's all you have. And now you have to work with each other and you're gonna have to create a good alliance amongst friends to share strains because otherwise, you know, you're gonna be screwed with you like 22 so strains for the rest of existence. And then you lose so much. Right. Um, and Ash, uh, what about as a hash maker, is there a particular uh, strains you're looking for? Is there a terpene profile you're looking for? Is it essential oil production? Like, what is it that you're looking for from the perspective of uh, concentrate production? For my perspective, and this isn't every hash maker's perspective, because there are a lot of hash makers out there that are just, they want the terps. They want, like, you know, the high percentage in theirs. Um, high percentage is always good. Um, but I'm not essentially looking for super high terpene profiles. It depends on the strain. Um, different, and, and I say this as respectively because it depends on your material. One grower could give me, say, lemon skunk, because it's my favorite strain. One grower could give me lemon skunk, 
and another grower could give me lemon skunk. If this grower doesn't grow it to the potential that this grower did, I might get 17% back from this grower, but I'm only going to get maybe nine back from this grower. It's, I depend on the grower, but growing my own is easier, but I do take clients. So it, like, I mean, it depends on their material that you get back. I, I, I as a hash maker, cannot control what I'm getting. Right, the trim versus nugs, that, that exactly too. Um, but I have seen trim uh, come out higher than nugs. I've seen nugs come out higher than trim. I've seen people win cannabis cups with trim. I've seen people win cannabis cups with nugs. You know, uh, it's the material. And then that all comes back down to the grower. My job as a hash maker depends on how that cannabis has been grown. So assuming um, someone comes to you or you grow out something really amazing and you want to make some hash with it, what is your preferred technique to actually create a concentrate from that hash? I, from do, that? B I do BHO. So my company, uh, we do BHO. What is your company's name? Uh, Captain Kush Concentrates. Captain Kush. Uh, we took a third place in a high times with uh, Clementine, which was uh, DNA genetics. Um, amazing, amazing strains from them guys. And I, I do have to... I do have to say that I loved what you said because everything that you said, though, was so true because growing the plant from seed and as a strain person myself, they've come and gone. They've come and gone. A strain whore, I am. We, we are. When we find a good one, though, we want it. And, like, that, too, with the herm issues. If it's – if we've grown a lot from seed. We actually just uh, popped some seeds not long ago uh, in – you, you love it. It could be a great plant. It smells so good, and it looks like it's going to make amazing hash, but it threw herms. Or, you know, you've got male flowers now, and now you have to throw it away. <laughs> okay, and Jess, um, you actually, you took a second place, right? With the uh, third place. Third with place the blue cheese. with the blue cheese. Yep. Uh, now, um, what techniques did you use uh, or what, what, what do you think are the most important uh, aspects of the techniques that you used to grow that out and win? So I don't think it's just the strains anymore either. I think it's about the growing techniques. So I'm a worm farm kind of gal. So when people say, oh, you're loyal to your soil, well, yeah, I am, because that's what's going to give me the base to start those plants with. Because how are you cloning? Me, I'm a willow water type of lady. It's organic, it's abundant. People, there's willow trees here in Michigan. Um, so you make your own willow, willow, willow branches mm -hmm. soaked in water? Yeah, I'm all about organics. A lot of people, when you look at a cloning-based product, you have to figure out what that's made with or what it's dyed with. So if it's dyed, like for example, it's, uh, example, sugar beets are used a lot to make cloning gel dyed. Well, are those sugar beets organic or were they made with chemicals? How were they grown? So when I think about those logistics of even using a cloning solution, that kind of turns me off because I don't know how it was made. And it's so hard to get an OMRI approval on products that to find a good organic base to use, it's hard. And a lot of people are like, oh, you can use anything. That plant's going to grow itself. Well, no, it's not. It's about the time that you're going to spend with it and what you're giving it. So to me, without a good base, you don't have anything. I don't like to use any chemicals whatsoever. And now our state is finally testing 
for those chemicals and releasing chemicals not to use. And I look at other states like California and their list, and they're crazy. And I think that a lot of growers are even getting turned off growing cannabis because they can no longer use the, the chemicals that they want to use. They don't want to take the time. Right. So you have a worm farm that you actually feed, like kitchen scraps and all of that to the yeah, worms? Yeah, they'll and... even eat your plant byproducts, like your fan leaves that you're cutting off. Those worms are going to go and they're going to eat them and they're going to secrete soil. So what I did to start was I bought my grandmother's house and she had this big, beautiful bathtub in there. Well, I had to redo the whole bathroom and there was no way I could fit this bathtub back in there. So I made my little brothers carry it in my basement put it up on one side and start a worm farm. So they secrete teas and then you can boil those and use that tea as a good organic feed for your plants. So, and it's amazing. And you can even supplement feed with those. And a lot of people don't think of worms. They think, oh, you're, that's an animal byproduct. It's a microorganism. So it's totally classified way different in my book. And uh, you also mentioned that uh, you make edibles. What's your preferred way of, of, of creating edibles? Um, I love to make suckers. We make over 220 flavors. We can even custom make flavors. So they're all lab tested by the state before they're allowed to hit a dispensary shelf. We just found out that we can now get QR codes added to our packaging so patients can scan them and see the lab results right there. We also do residual testing. So it depends on where we get concentrates from. How are they made? Is it distillate or BHO? How well was it purged for us to use in our edibles? So we do residual testing to make sure that not even any of those chemicals come over into our edibles. It is a very vigorous system. Anything that we've made, it don't hit the shelf for a week later because of the lab test. Wow. So it's crazy. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and Elaine, let's talk a little bit about um, plant feeding. Um, one of the things I kind of harp on a lot is overfeeding. I think it runs pretty rampant in the 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 growing the world. Yeah. Um, what, what is, what's your philosophy as far as, uh, you know, nutrient regimen for... I use sweet leaf. That's the nutrients I use. I've used every type of nutrient. Um, I've settled with them, and they are, they're really, really good. They're a vegan nutrient, which today is important to people. I'm not a vegan. I like meat, but um, my plants are vegan. So, and it's 95% organic. And um, my plants love it. And I run multi-strain rooms, and they go really well with that. Um, I try never, like, I'm a keep it s simple, stupid kind of person. And sweet leaf's not hard. It's seven parts. And um, I was using advanced, and I can't even remember how many parts there were. There were so many. Yeah. It's, it's. Some of them have scents. So there, there was one that had the sandalwood in it. Uh, the connoisseur I mean, has sandalwood in it for I mean, smell. I've, I've been growing for a long time, and it, it's dependent on what the grower wants to do. It's what the grower is comfortable with. You have to learn your plant. And every strain is different, which is, once again, why I like sweet leaf, because I'm able to use that on a multi-strain room. I've never had a nutrient that I could do that with. I love organics. I think it's great that people are doing that. I think it's really good. I personally, I like, and I'm probably going to get shot, I feel like it tastes a little better when it's got my sweet leaf. It tastes better. I have to agree with you, though. I yeah. love you. I love you. I love, I, I I love your product. I, 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 you, know, you know I do. I like sweet leaf, too. I, I am a rep for them, so I do rep their nutrient line like crazy to stores. Don't get me wrong. I, it just, to me, all 
I don't know. If you've got a great tasting no, I strain think it's with great. a good turt profile, you don't need to add anything. I think, I, I mean, I, like I said, every grower needs to do what they, right. they want, what they're mm -hmm. comfortable with. And that's what it comes down to. What are you most comfortable with? Um, you've got to find a well-balanced feed. You absolutely, if you, you've got to find something well-balanced that's not going to, you don't, you can't mix nutrients all the time. And this is the other thing, like I love organics. It's hard to, it's hard to do that and not burn your stuff when you're first starting out. One of the biggest concerns with most of these nutrients is that you're paying for water. And so if you're not mixing and you are paying for like pre-mixed bottled nutrients, when you look at, I mean, I sell, I'm probably going to get hung right now. Um, I sell a ton of these, but like if you're buying nutrients in a jug that has, look at the, the ingredients, it's mostly water. And when you start to talk about shipping costs and, the, you know, Mills is from Holland. Like they shipped that from Holland. Like holy moly. Like think about the logistical costs of, of that. And like again, Mills pays the bills. I get it. Sorry, friends. I am probably pissing friends off right now, <laughs> left and right. But but from a from a an economic standpoint, when you're talking about scalability, you really have to look at how long does you know composting your worms gonna take. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but like that's that's a long time but unless you you're doing like an entire facility. No, but takes, once again, but that's, that's a scale There's too. There's no facilities yet. Right. So being a small time grower, you can spend more quality time. You have to yeah. building that good base. But when licensing goes through, that is something that these people it's gonna are going to have to look yeah. at mm -hmm. because. If they don't already have soil pre-mixed for when they're going to go with their licensing, yep. they're going to spend well, like and the, four or five months getting soil the ready. Logistics so what of else are it. they going to use? Hydro yeah. tables yep. because those are going to be convenient for them to fill reservoirs. Those are going to be easy for them to get that end dollar amount back from what they put into their product. But I also look at the mom and pop stores. Mm -hmm. like. I don't know. I'm quality over quantity. So that I 100% agree, yeah, but there's a balance is my point. Like mm -hmm. there's totally yeah. a balance and there's ways I know they're making biologics that are powdered powdered products now that mm -hmm. you can get, you know, like if you are going the all organic route, like there are options that are going to be streamlined versions. You know, Botanicare just came out with a, a, a biologic. I'm getting some points back. Um, well, they have a biologic talking. and it's and it, you mix it yourself and you're just you're not yeah. paying for the water. Well, like and you're, you're saying the shipping costs with water being included. Anything yeah. over 10 but pounds. But once again, Again, you're pay $75. Once again, people who are growing, grow the way you want. Grow what you mm -hmm. like. Use yeah. what you like. Yeah, I think Use what works best for you. There's large-scale grows. There's small-scale grows. Then there's your grow. <laughs> and you got to do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Everyone can talk, 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 but you learn your plant. You learn your plant, and you, you do what works best for you. And they all yeah. grow And no different. matter what you know, nutrient you use or feeding program, I mean, err on the side of caution. Oh, you yeah. Know, Go you low. Can, you can always bump you can, it up. Yeah, if you it's much harder to. If you overfeed, you can. I mean, right, you're, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you overfeed, and you cause a whole host of problems. And Close. you overfeed, and you cause a whole host of problems. Diseases, pests. Will, so overfeeding is a real problem. People will, you know, they people get more tend to want to overfeed because they think it's going to produce more. And you, 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 you get more yield, but it's not going to taste better. Like I've said it to Danny, mm -hmm. people get that. You're, you're, you're feeding like that. Do you know how hard it is to get, like, something that high out? Yeah, they it, don't want to flush. And you get they don't that want snap, crackle, pop weed. It's the Rice Krispie. And it it's won't the rice burn crispy right. Yeah, so it even doesn't if you have right. a great strain, uh, it's not, you know, it's not grown properly. And right. it's not going to burn properly. 
And if you're concentrating that, you're also concentrating all of those things. And you'll get all that taste. So you always, always go lower with nutrients. I mean, and you'll read on the back of them. You'll read everything. They'll tell you to use the most. Don't use the least and then work up to where you need to be. Because it's like, you know, it's like getting high. You can, you know, you can always get higher, but you can't get lower. So right. start, it's, you know, same as you're smoking when you're feeding your plants. Think of the same thing. You can always get higher, you know. Right, and don't overdo it. And don't overdo it. You said it. something really amazing, though, about sweet leaf that I think is important. You said you can use it with all the different kinds of yes, plants. Yes, yes, And that's, that's something important. that when you do find a nutrient, no matter what it, your option is, if it's if it's malleable to other genetics is huge because exactly. that's a pain in the ass when it, you're trying yes. to do anything more, get a new strain, and if this genetic doesn't like this, you know. And nowadays when you, find you something have that's to really run multi-strain rooms. People's yeah. palates, are, they want it all. Yeah. I wanted to ask Nicole... Um, you know, there's a lot of talk now about, you know, corporate cannabis and mom and pops and stuff. And a lot of that seemingly comes down to the cost of production. So how can the mom and pops compete? I'm assuming we don't have a lot of the corporate people here and more of like the mom and pop people here. How can they compete against, you know, corporate cannabis that's being produced in, you know, 50,000 square foot facilities and much bigger uh, and, and how, how do they compete and how do they reduce the cost of production? I mean, the, the whole way I started this panel, which was talking about streamlining, and you can do it. And, and that's why I was saying we have, you know, mom and pops. And that's, it, to me, it's more important on that level for you to be streamlined because every penny counts. Every dollar counts when you're mom and pop. It, even more than when you're a, a company, you know, that just borrowed $100 million and, like, are just throwing red banners all over the city. Like, you can do, do so much for your team and for your, your, you know, plants and for your scalability as a business if you streamline early and you find efficiencies early. I think that's one of the biggest issues I notice with mom and pop is that we get so comfortable with, oh, well, we've always been getting raped on pricing because we're growing weed. Well, like, this, those days are over, guys. Like, people, like, staples will show up and, like, give you a corporate account, like, legit. Like, walk into your dispensary right now and get you a corporate account. My company will beat their pricing, but Staples will totally do that. Like, you know, you can go and you find ways to get efficiencies left. What? It's the labels. Those labels cost. The, the labels. All, label these, all these little yes. things. Like, they, it starts to add up, and people don't notice it because you're just buying them $20 at a time, you know, and when it's mom and pop and you're taking, and, like, my legitimate biggest, don't touch the register. Like, if you have a business and, like, Get get the real like banking like order and take money from the bank account and use a card or or if you can't use a bank account you have money that is set aside that is already accounted for and that don't take money out of the register because that's been one of the biggest issues that I've noticed is this like it's a small business we have this influx it it adds up really they quickly and no one notices no one notices exactly um, and I think that's one of the bigger issues when it comes to costs so if you don't have a system early on when you have three employees when you have 30 employees it's a freaking nightmare like turning that around is like trying to turn around a <laughs> tanker ship on a dime like it's not gonna happen you have now 30 people with bad habits with cash out of the pet out of the register and like, no, have somebody that's crazy person about it. It's like, da, 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 da. like it's okay. <laughs> Everyone well, needs one of those people. Yeah, if you, you don't have one of those people, get one of those people. You talked about the importance of the team that you put around you. And like, you, you walk into a lot of situations where you can see that, you know, there's 
those members of the team that probably aren't pulling their weight and not really doing that. And like, so talk a little bit about the importance of the, the team that people you surround yourself with. <laughs> so I'm going to say something and it's going to be kind of, it, it's going to hit home to a lot of people in this room. It's going to hit home to people on this panel. One of the biggest issues that I see in this business right now is nepotism. Um, as far as your scalability for your business. And it's because we started out as criminals, okay? We were criminals, so we only hired our brothers and our sisters and our mom to do our taxes. And so we kept our family in, right? And when you keep your family in, you're protected. And there's a lot of value to that. And I totally, I get it. Like my first team that when my first, I, I lost my dispens first dispensary 10 years ago in the city of Long Beach. When I had to lay off my entire team, they were my friends and my family. My friends and my family all worked for me. Like I, I wasn't willing to let go because of how much love and the mouths that I knew that I had to feed because of my job, right? Like I had little nieces and nephews and like little human beings that I knew relied on this dispensary keeping going. Like, holy shit, Nicole, please hold it together. Like every single day, like wiping the tears before I walked in, like I'm losing everything, but like I can't let this go. It happens to all of us. But once you get to a certain point and you start to realize that the crux of your business is your kid brother or like your mom or like your aunt, like you have to be strong enough to let that sever that tie professionally and if you don't see it right now you will see it at a certain point and so some relationships are perfect and you can have a, a, a significant other or a mom or an aunt or whatever and like if people are pulling their weight I'm not saying don't work with your family by any means I'm saying don't let your family just keep riding on you forever because they were your family and they were there for you in the beginning like if you're riding 100 miles an hour every fucking day everyone on the team's riding 100 miles an hour every fucking day mm -hmm. and if it's one of your family members and they're not going to like Christmas is gonna be real fucking weird for a couple years but like do it do it sever that tie professionally because it will eventually cost you something and it will hurt your business it will hurt your ability to scale it will hurt your ability long term anyways all right um, uh, Jessica let's talk about the harvesting process because I find that the, you know aside from uh, overfeeding and overwatering uh, one of the biggest mistakes people make is 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 how they harvest uh, when they harvest and, and sort of how they dry and cure. So, so take I me through that uh, year process for that. I, li I think a lot of people get caught up in when the plant's done. The plant's going to tell you when it's done. Um, I can't stress enough to people about using a microscope. That, that's really key to making sure that your plant is fully finished to a tea. Another thing is a good flush. If you're just feeding, feeding, feeding to the end, your overall harvest is going to suck because it's not going to have a good burnability. It's not going to have a good taste. It's going to smell like hay when it's drying. It's, it's going to be horrible. But I also think that when people harvest, they also need a good, clean workspace because a lot of people get caught up in just trying to harvest right there in their garden. But someone like me that uses soil that's not a possibility. You have to have a separate space just to be able to trim at, take those plants down properly, getting them hung and cured. And a lot of people are like, oh, I just put it in a room. Well, you just put it in a room? What kind of ventilation system is in there? Is it in the dark or do you have the lights on? People don't realize at harvest time and curing, a lot of those terps are going to come out too. So that's really important for me when it comes down to just curing the flower. And I cure for a long, long time. I'm probably thinking, even when it comes down to entries, I start those two to three months before entries are even due because I want the best quality that I can get. And I, 
practice quality every single day in the garden. Because if, you're, if you slack one day, those plants are going to show you at harvest that you slacked. It's all about the time that you put in with them is what your overall harvest is going to be. There's no just putting them in there, oh, the flood table's going to do the work. Well, did you go in there this week? Because they could have died three days ago or that light bulb could have blew out. Like, got to do something. The pump broke to the cloner. When's the last time you checked on it? So... Cool. Clean space. Like yes. Clean space is so imperative. Like I'm not talking about for any other reason than compliance. At the end of the day, when testing starts to become a thing, like I 100% agree that it's a part of the smell and the taste and all of that. But at the end of the, at the end process is where a lot of those gross things end up on your plant. I can't stress and that enough. They yeah. sell the body suits at Home Depot. <laughs> they come in bulk. Get Buy a them on suit. Amazon. <laughs> Wear mm -hmm. a hair nut. All of my friends constantly complain. What do you do in the garden? You got to wear a hair net yep. because those hairs are going to stick to that bud. They're sticky. It's going to rip it out of your hair. And if you like find a pink one, that, you're going to know where it came uh, from. Yeah. Not, <laughs> and not only that, like, I've got fans in my room and I've got long hair. Like, there's no way I'm going to walk by a fan in there. Like, I can just see it. Like, my hair getting ripped out. It's not going to happen. <laughs> you can't uh, turn dirty around, you know, though. I go to medical school, too. So when I look at the proper cleanliness of having a good quality grow room, I, file, I follow medical guidelines because I learned proper PPE in school. Why not use it when it carries over to grow? Well, I just recently went to school for medical office management because I wanted to be able to teach my staff those same exact things. I want them to be OSHA compliant. If they're not, there's no reason for them to be in the garden whatsoever. They need to learn. I had to learn. It takes time. It's hard. It's required in Colorado, Oregon, Washington, and California. Yeah, that go take a shower. The put, the whole, yeah. put the whole outfit on, and then let's talk and go in there. Well, so much of, of pest control and powdery mildew control and all of that is prevention because yeah. you really just don't want to get it. Uh, ultimately, you know, getting it and dealing with it is a whole other subject, but preventing it is an environmental thing and controlling the being able to control the environment when you're in the room when you're not in the room you know what the temperature level is and you're not bringing pests in and out on your shoes or on yeah, your clothing. Yeah, a good quality environment in your room. Is the humidity high? What do you have your humidity set at? Do you have humidifiers going? Are you making it too moist in there? Why are you using one? Like Things like that, some growers just think, oh, I had to add humidity. Well, that's why you have powdery mildew. So mm -hmm. It's hard. Like it, mm -hmm. Most people think they don't think about those. Like I said, they think that the plant's going to grow it itself. And they've never read a book. They've never asked anybody for questions. So it's hard. But like I said, if you have a good quality workspace to take your harvest down in, you're going to have a great curing time, too. Now, Elaine, do you do uh, a wet trim or a dry trim? And do you hang plants or lay them on racks? I hang the whole plant on its stem. I usually, like I say, I defoliate most of the way through, so I hang it. And after 7 to 10 days, I take it off that and cut it. It's usually dry by then, and then after that, you know, I trim it, get all that off, make it look really pretty, and then I put it into a jar where Tommy will burp it. He's over there. He burps it every, you know, every day. He'll go and shake it around, look at it. Um, so you, by burping the jar, you're opening it. Yeah, he opens and transferring it, the air. Yeah, letting the air come out. That I mean, it just it it helps build the turps. It makes it smell better. If you just stay, that's the other thing too. Sometimes you'll put it in. And it's a little moist. You, if you don't go check it and you go back a few days later, it's, it is, it's mold. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's got it's, that smell yeah. of like. No, it'll uh, mold. It'll mold it'll in there. Mold. You'll see, you'll, you'll, you know, you, 
I've had people say to me, oh, look how frosty this is. You're like, oh, no, that's not that. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's you got to, it's, it's always, it's, yeah, it's definitely always important, like, with drying, dry it right. We could talk a little bit more about uh, hash with ash. Maybe you can talk about, uh, you know, after you've sort of, after you've got the hash, the purging process uh, that you institute to make your hash. Uh, a long purge. <laughs> um, at least 72 hours. If it's uh, small, it depends on the weight. If it's small, uh, not, not long. Uh, at, least, but at least 48 hours. I don't care if it's 5 grams, 100 grams, at least 48 hours. But 72 to 100 uh, is what I like to do. My favorite consistency is like a, almost like a pull and snap to where I don't, I'm not going to shatter. I fling it everywhere. Crumble, I can't get it on a dabber. I do like the, the, the sauce, but the sauce takes, I feel like the, the sauce tech is too long of a process. You had to grow that plant for so long, and then now it has to sit in an oven for a month. And so, so at low heat and vacuum, it's yes. pulling out the solvent that you've yep, used yep, butane. And, and purifying the product. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I, the thing that I love with the testing lately is because of that because there's so many people that will make it and then don't purge it correctly. I've seen it many times. I've worked in a bunch of different dispensaries. I've been doing this for 10 years. I've seen, I've seen the, the residual test that will come back and scare the shit out of me. Like, did you not even purge it? And I don't understand at that point because I've, we've done this as a company. We've tested it after you know, just a few hours to see, and that's why I don't understand if people, that, what, if people are not even using an oven. I see it all the time on Facebook and stuff uh, from random people that'll, you know, make conversations in different uh, stoner groups, and they say things about purging and this and that, and the thing with concentrates is education with concentrates is so important because it's dangerous. Like, BHO is dangerous. It's needs to be done by somebody who knows what they're doing. Doing it in your backyard, in your garage, and things like that, that's not safe at all. People have died. It's, it's crazy to think that, I mean, a lot of, I know a lot of people who, you know, use a closed loop now that that's where they started. That's where I started. That's where most of us started. Mm -hmm. Right. But to think about that and then to think, holy shit, we could have blew up and didn't really have the knowledge to know that that's what we were doing at that time. And this is seven, eight years ago, not knowing that this was what we were doing. So t that testing and that information about concentrates is so important mm -hmm. to people. Right. Um, and on the safer side, uh, you can do, uh, you can make hash without solvents. Exactly. And Elaine, that's something that you do as well. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what processes you use uh, to make your hash? Bubble bags with ice and um, dry ice. It's just, and then butter. We, we, well, that's, that's for tinctures. But yeah, we do dry ice. Um, we have a bag, and it's 90 micron, and we'll shake that, and we get keef from that. But we only do that with, like, leaf, or if we do fresh frozen, it, it's a better, it'll make a better rosin, because we do rosins. Well, we have a rosin press. We use the easy squeeze. And, um, but there's so many out there. Like, rosin is... I don't personally like to dab. I'm not, I'm not big into it. So I like hash. I think it's really clean. I think it's one of the cleanest 
concentrates there is out there. It tastes better. It looks better. I do like when you take the hash and you, you, you squish it. Cause, and I'll do dabs with that. That's really good. But I don't like to do a lot of dabbing because, once again, you got to be careful with concentrates if you're a flower smoker because you can really build up your tolerance. And then you go to smoke a flower and it's not so good. So, but, but I do bubble hash. That's, you know, Tommy does a lot of the extracting. And um, we, do, we do bubble bags. They're tried and true. We do, you know, 25-gallon bubble bags. And um, I personally, I, I'm more like edibles. I like butter, and I like glycerin tinctures. I like the sublingual stuff, and I like topicals. Um, I've, gotten in, like, I've, got, I've gotten crazy with the topicals. I do, you know, I do a sex lube that, because people don't, people don't address, like, women's issues. I'm a woman, and so I address my issues. Viagra for men. There's all sorts of stuff for men. But there's nothing for women. I had hysterectomy years ago. They didn't tell me shit would change, and it did. I have to interject with suppositories because I talk about them like all the time and it's like the most my it's like the most exciting product on the market right now in my opinion They're, they have anal suppositories and vaginal suppositories we're all adults here and we have to be comfortable with vaginal talking about is where them. it's at um, absolutely it, there's two different uh, OBGYNs that are the top OBGYNs okay. in the United States that are saying that uh, suppositories for women with fibromyalgia and cervical dysplasia is the best option for homeopathic treatments right now for women with those issues. So it's a huge thing. That it's a very important product. One very important thing that we have to take into very serious consideration is the quality of the product that you started with before you shove it in your hoo-ha. Exactly. Because it's, it's going to be sitting in there, right? And healthy. So this is yes. one of the... We're going to go back to the importance of quality products. Yes. Um, I can't believe we had a good se segue for me to talk about suppositories, but it's <laughs> important public service announcement guys this panel right suppositories now. like legitimately <laughs> sex lube and sex lube too that's awesome <laughs> but like it's and for men with prostate problems it's also a very important uh, the, the anal suppositories are very very good for men, men treating prostate issues wow sorry i had to talk about it. <laughs> hey, it's all good women talk about different things right yeah yeah well and and yeah, on that note piano. on 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 that note i want to know if you guys have any advice for other women that are interested in growing or hash making or advice for for men in the cannabis industry that that may just need some advice <laughs> grow what you love i mean when you find find a plant that you love that you really like, you know, if you go to test strains, find something you like to really smoke, and then get those seeds and grow that plant. You know, I, I can't stress it enough. Learn your plants. They're all different. It's like your children. You know, they're all different. So I would say, you know, learn your plants. Learn the plant. Let it, I get, there's money involved in all that, but learn the plant. Find the, don't forget the passion for the plant. You know, don't, it's, that's important. I think Write we're losing down. a lot of that. Write it down. Yeah, write it That's down. Start a journal. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, if you're, I do perpetuals, and I also do perpetual uh, harvest with different strains, which I'm putting in several plants a week, but they're not all the same strain. So when it comes down to just doing that alone, everything has to be on board. Because you need to know one might only go for nine weeks, but what about something that might go 10 weeks? You know, 
are you going to put those in this at the same time? Or are you going to put them in at a different time with plants like those ones? Because if you go to take three out, oh, you got to leave one and take it out the yeah, next so week with the rest of them. You've got to learn the plants. You can figure out what And it's doing. easier yeah. to learn from the past if you have a record of what happened and, and to each individual plant. Yeah, and, and I always so tell... So labeling and, and oh, keeping yeah. track of everything. Yeah, I always tell new people getting in the industry, knowledge is power. They're, people wrote books out there for a reason. They're They're trying to teach you. They don't... You know, how many times did somebody get asked the same question before they were finally like, I'm going to write a damn book because I'm so sick of somebody asking me. <laughs> Read those books. They were written Read his for books. a purpose. <laughs> you, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Like, how many times have people came to you and say, how do I get a good flush? Mm -hmm. Oh, man, how are you going to explain this to somebody that's never grown cannabis before because they've never even popped seeds and then they don't even know where to go to buy seeds. And I'm like, mm -hmm. if you've never bought a magazine, there's... 100 seed banks in a magazine. <laughs> Buy one. Start. Just start it. Ash, any advice for... Uh, my, my best advice for everybody is knowledge is power. Always look into what you're going to do before you do it, but don't ever let anyone tell you that you can't do it. It's hard. This industry is hard. It is. It's tough. But if that's what you are really wanting to do, if that's what you're passionate about and you want to do it, do it. Don't let anybody tell you any different. Even if it's just you alone on your own path, kicking ass every single day to do it, do it. That's, that's just what you have to do. Nicole? Don't get into the cannabis industry unless you want to change things. Um, you have to be really, really comfortable with being a resistance. You have to be really, really comfortable with being looked at funny. You have to be really comfortable with your family judging you, maybe. Maybe not your family, but some of my family is still judgy. Hi, guys. Um, I'm sure they're watching. But uh, at the end of the day, be, be genuinely a part of this change. Be genuinely a part of this movement. Um, my, my day job right now, I own, I own the supply chain business, but my day job is I work for a finance company. Um, I work in private equity, and, and the heart is dying in this industry, and it hurts. And I'm trying really, really hard to do my best to protect the, the little guy from scary shit because it's happening. Um, but be a part of the change. And no, don't ever think that it's over and, like, oh, yeah, it's legal now. We've made it. Like, the government hasn't quite accepted this yet. Like, everyone thinks that they have in, you know, oh, California, Colorado. Like, no, this is still, we're still drug dealers to them. And we have to continue to change that stigma. We have to continue to be a part of the change. We have to continue to be, you know, the resistance. We have to continue and, and understand that it's, we're not 100% accepted yet and be okay with that and be, be constantly trying to change people's minds. That's, that's my advice. All right. Um, we're going to wrap it up, but before we do, uh, really quickly, everyone just give your Instagram, uh, starting with Jess. Um, you can follow me at Miss Barry Cush, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, send us an email. The girls all have it on their hashtags. They go by MBK Ladies, and they can always direct you right with me, too. All right, Ash. Uh, Ash Bohash is Facebook, Instagram, everything. And then uh, Concentrate Company is CPT Kush Concentrates. The real CPT Kush Concentrate. <laughs> Nicole? <laughs> Harvest Honey, uh, Harvest underscore Honey on Instagram and Harvest Honey 420 on Twitter. All right. The original Outcast on Instagram and Excelsior Extracts on Instagram. All right. I want to thank you guys, uh, my wonderful panelists. Let's hear it for the women of weed on our panel here.
Okay. All right. So there you have it. Uh, that was the, uh, the panel there, the cultivation panel from a female perspective at the Michigan Cannabis Cup in June of 2018. Yeah, I feel informed. That was good. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I guess this is the wrap. This is the wrap. So we're going to wrap it up with Raw. We should wrap it up. You know, we're running a little uh, long on time here or a little short on time. We have run long, which makes us short on time. Am I so we're right? off the wagon or we're on the wagon, <laughs> which is <laughs> I feel like I'm just making it worse by talking about this. But um, once again, we didn't do questions or a cultivation section this week or a strain of the Fortnite, which we owe you. So we'll we'll definitely do all of that. You can get in touch once again on Twitter at Danny Danko at Mike G underscore HT. And of course, the email address freeweed at hightimes.com. Yes, yes. And thank you to BC Northern Lights. Thank you to Jacques and Winstrong. And thank you to our guests, uh, Ash Bohash, Nicole West, Elaine Keevan, and Jessica Speck. Uh, really enjoyed doing that panel with you guys and hope, uh, hope you guys learned something from that as well. Please follow us uh, on our various Facebooks and Twitters and Instagrams and go to iTunes, rate the show, uh, give us, you know, however many stars you think we deserve. All of them. Yeah, hopefully all of Don't them. Don't withhold your stars. Hopefully all of them. Come on. Uh, rate us. I read those too, so uh, write, a, <laughs> write a review, put your Instagram thing in there, and I'll follow you. Um, that always helps people to find the show. So uh, any, anything you can do to help spread the word um, and help spread free weed. Yes. Which is it. ultimately the goal. I think I'm going to go sleep off all of this freedom that I've had, but um, <laughs> happy birthday to Dan. All right. Thank you very much, Mike. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys. Thanks for listening. Episode 95, put it in the books.